This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 125 of the Stacey West podcast. I am here as ever, I'm Ben and Gaz is with me. How are you doing mate? I'm doing really well, mate. I've had loads of fan mail from rabbitweekly.com. They're um, <laughs> incredibly pleased with everything that I did uh, for the rabbit last last year, uh, last episode. And obviously Val, good friend of mine, Val, proofread uh, all of my book. I didn't realise that she has two rabbits. Uh, and I think she messaged me and you, I believe, and said that they're called Wank and Wanky. So, um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was no better advert for the podcast than the little clip that Stu Wells put up. I thought no, it was just absolutely isn't. brilliant. Someone needs to take his little clip maker off him, though, don't they? <laughs> well, not for me. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, I Stu, am for now. Stu yeah, Wells, yeah. Stu Wells, this is a message directly to you. Find something in this podcast that makes Ben look like a knob. I'm sure that won't be too difficult. Um, <laughs> Not if he listens from start to finish. No, <laughs> especially if I don't cut anything out. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, being being a, a, a decent week uh, is a bit of an understatement, and um, I think possibly one of the most ridiculous Tuesday nights of League One football and you know League Two football as well. If you're going to go down that road that I can remember for a very, very long time. Um, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll start very briefly with the whole game. I mean, obviously, I I don't think anybody was realistically expecting us to to end the form, you know, the run of form they've been on, but we came really close. I mean, it was, I, I personally, you know, I think we deserve something out of the game. And it was just, it was just an unfortunate, you know, mistake that, that led to a penalty that ultimately, um, you know, cost us the game. But, it's you know we're not going to sit here and point fingers we're not going to you know 
do anything like that. But it, it was a it, it was a decent match, wasn't it? And I think we probably did enough to to get something out of it. All I'm going to say about Hull, because obviously it's kind of been done to death, but Hull won 2-1. Hull's XG was 2.02 and ours was 0.97. So, you know what? It's actually the fair result. Um, When I say I think we were worth a draw, I think Hull were the better side. I think any result other than a Hull win would have reflected well on us, but I think that we could have got the draw. Um, And I think that's significantly different to saying that we, we, we we deserve the draw. On the balance of things, we had four shots on target. They had seven. Um, so, you know, they had 17 shots in total. We had nine. So did we deserve a draw? And um, what I think was I was delighted afterwards, not because we lost, but because we put in a decent show against mm. the team, a squad which is, you know, bar two or three, that's the squad that will play in the championship for them next year. Make no mistake about it. You know, when you when you speak to Hull fans and listen to their media, they were making signings for next season. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's the sort of quality that we came up against. So there was no reason to come away from that feeling um, hacked off, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, some uh, people obviously found it, and everyone loves a scapegoat. It wasn't a great challenge, but you know these things happen. Absolutely, and you know I can't I can't disagree with you. I I, I wasn't I wasn't as fussed about losing on Saturday as I I could have been. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it's never nice to lose, but I think like you say, we gave a decent performance, and uh, that carried through to Tuesday night, didn't it? It was uh, another solid performance, another really good showing from. Um, from the back four in particular and uh nice to see george grant getting back on the score sheet wasn't it yeah it was i think with tuesday night there was there was quite a few facets to um the evening uh, which gave me pleasure i mean obviously winning one nil is fantastic uh it, great to go away to shrewsbury somebody that beat us at our place as well a team who are not particularly easy to beat and you know they've crumbled a bit recently and I think when you look at the fact that managers only just returned from COVID from since Christmas I think mm-hmm. um, that tells you everything you need to know they've got a decent set of players so that was one angle Look, there was elements of the performance that pleased me I thought for the first 25 minutes or so we were superb until um, Brandon Johnson had to come off mm-hmm. I think he came well I think he came off on about 30, 30 minutes didn't he mm-hmm. I, I think after that actually um, it was a, a decent performance I thought I, I'll be honest I'll use the word outstanding for the first half an hour it looked to me as if we were going to win um four or five nil mm-hmm. uh, and then brennan johnson came off they went to a back three they were obviously more comfortable with the back three uh, and you know, essentially i think it didn't take the sting out of the game but you know, 15 minutes after johnson coming off it's half time you come out up for the second half and we already have, we've already made a change he brings obviously tom hopper on hopper then plays kind of in the central attacking midfield role for for however long in a 4231 and um, and he, you know, we counted for them and it, it kind of took the sting out of the game but it was great to see how well we played in the first 33 minutes. It was then great to see not just George Grant get his goal, um, but it was great to see Tom Hopper back on. It was great to see Liam Bridcock get a, a full half. So there was there was so many positives um, to take out of the uh, out of the evening. And they always say in football, it's the hope that kills you. And we come out of the evening still thinking, well, we might get automatic. Um, yeah. Spoiler alert, we won't. But. Uh, it, it's great to be going into the penultimate weekend of the season with a chance. Absolutely, and I think that's the that's the the key takeaway for me is that you know, like you say, we have three games left. One of those games is against the team that is uh, you know the, that spot above us, and they they currently hold the keys in terms of the automatic promotion. And then 
you know, we're potentially going into next weekend if if results do go our way over the next two two games with you know we'll, we'll be we'll be like we were you know in the in the uh, the season when we got into the playoffs the first time you know sat there glued to radios and, and waiting for other results to come in and you know following everything on our phones and every all sorts of stuff like that it's i would you have said at the beginning of the season you might potentially be hanging on another result to see if you go up to the championship automatically. I don't think anybody would have thought that any, you know, nobody in with, with red and white in them, you know, in them would, would have thought that at all. It's just been, it's been absolutely incredible. And Great. you know, like you say, I, I don't think we will, I don't think we will, you know, have that worry next weekend, but the fact that we're, we're sat here even talking about it, like you say, it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> yeah, I'd look, I think the thing, let's not forget, if somebody had said in December, you'll be going into the last weekend relying on the on other results, we would have thought that might be marginally disappointing in terms of where we were as well. Mm. Um, yeah, because we, we had built up a really good lead. If somebody had said that it was Peterborough and there was a, the 10-point gap or whatever at one point. So, um, you yeah, know, that's football. I've always said, for, you know, it's a 46-game season, not a, you don't play till December or, or whatever. And you know, just because you get you are top at a certain point doesn't mean you will be at a later date. And I think as a whole, it's obvious that we can be incredibly happy with our season uh, and and where we're going in over the last uh, the last game um, or the last couple of games. You know, it's, it's unprecedented. Um, I, I personally, do you know what? I don't have any excitement whatsoever in me for automatic promotion because I think that it's so tenuous um the permutation that we need and also Doncaster are so bad uh, that I don't give them a, a chance in hell of beating Peterborough and I think even if we and correct me if I'm wrong here because I've done no research this week but I think even if we beat Peterborough and Charlton and then beat Wimbledon if Peterborough were to then draw with Doncaster they would still go up automatically because of the, the goal difference unless uh, it, we would I, th- I think that would be that would potentially even be on points um, I, th- I think. Let me just pull the table up, but I think um, I think it might still be on points. Essentially, the um, uh, the, the the situation is that uh, where are we? Peterborough have 80 f- 83 at the minute. We have seventy five, so we could get to eighty four points. So yeah, I so mean, if unless, they drew, if yeah. they drew with Doncaster, we would they would be on eighty four points as well. So then yeah. it would be the goal difference. Which so at the be- moment stands 60, uh, 76 to 42. So we'd have yeah. to get around 10 goals in the next three games. Yeah, because the the, the swing is 13. Yeah. So if we were to beat them 5 0, uh, that, that, <laughs> that would give us, well, no, but that would give us plus uh, 26, and it would give them minus 29. Let's see, we then beat Charlton 2 0. Mm-hmm. Um, you're then talking 28 and 29. And if we were then beating. Um, Excuse me. If we were then beating uh, Wimbledon on the last day, yeah. So in actual fact, the key is to go to Peterborough and win four or five nil. Um, oh, <laughs> okay. Just like that. Um, so, <laughs> so we have scored four goals at, at Peterborough in the past. Um, Nineteen seventy-two, yeah. we drew with them. Um, four, I mean, four. look. I mean, it's it's a pipe dream, isn't it? It's it's you know it's probably not going to happen, but. Having said that, I did see some of the highlights from from Tuesday night. You know the the Peterborough Doncaster game on Tuesday, and it was end to end. I think Doncaster gave as good as they were getting. Um, so 
you know, maybe is this a slight wobble? Um, and has the wobble come at the absolute best of times for us and the worst of times for Peterborough? I don't know. I don't really care, to be honest. All I care about is us getting the results that we need to get. Um, but I do know that if we do win on Saturday, I'm going to be... I'm just going to be a bag of nerves for the following week. But I mean, let's, let's go back to Tuesday quickly. Um, I think uh, for me, my, my man of the match was, was Conor McGrandles. I thought he had a, you know, absolutely superb match. Um, he, he just put himself about. And I think you mentioned on match day live uh, that, that he has just blossomed as a player in the second half, hasn't he? Uh, second half of the season. Sorry. Yeah, since he's come back from COVID, like I think he was a good player before, and I think he did a lot of work that went unseen. Um, and I, I think he was, he was almost like the fourth man with with Bridcut as first choice in the holding role, uh, and then Jones and Grant at times first choice in midfield. And I think when when all all were fit, Grant was often out on the left wing, and and Grandel's in the middle of the park, and then he becomes the person that's taken Grant out of midfield. And there's also you know, some fans might feel a little bit resentment to that because obviously George Grant is the darling of Lincoln City fans. Um, and then I think he, what what he's done for me that's more impressive than probably a lot of the other players who will be in the running for player of the season is he's been good when we've been poor. Um, he's one of the players, like you said, he, he came back in January, around January 23rd, I think. Might be wrong with that. Um, but he came back in and we went into a dip and people were still saying things like McGrandles has had a good game. And for me, that's the mark of a very good player. If you're poor, but the, if your team overall is playing poorly or you know, struggling as we were with injuries and that sort of thing, and yet you're the player that's still standing out, then you're doing something right. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, for me, he's certainly doing something right. I don't know whether I would have given him man of the match on Tuesday. I think there was a lot of um, a lot of decent performances. I mean, George Grant certainly wasn't far off. He was spraying balls about with the confidence that he always has. Uh, and, and a personal favourite of mine, I champion him every week. But I thought Taylor Eden was brilliant again. Um, Absolutely. So flexible and so determined. And I really liked the video of him walking out the tunnel because all the players came out and he came out and he's got these kind of gold rounded glasses and he looked more like a, a university professor than he did a footballer. And I just think he's walked out, there, he looks mild mannered, looks like the sort of person who will be carrying textbooks around in satchels. And then against Bristol Rovers, he got stuck in on um, Ed Upson so quickly that he looked like an MMA fighter. <laughs> Many faces of Taylor. Adam. And of course, there was the uh, the challenge on Honeyman as well. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was a yeah. He showed his strength there. That's for sure. Yeah, I think um, you, you mentioned it in the in your your piece on the site. I think that was a a moment that if fans were back in the ground, it would have been a, a bozzy against Peterborough moment. I think, but um, yeah, in terms of in terms of Tuesday night, I, I I don't really think there was too much danger of of conceding or you know dropping back and and you know, coming away with a point. I think there's a bit of a decision for Michael to make this weekend um, for me, because what do you do with the back four? Do you keep Monsmer and Aoma there? Because they've had, you know, some phenomenal performances uh, at the back. Or do you bring Adam Jackson back in? Uh, sorry, not Adam Jackson. Do you bring Joe Walsh back in? Um, what, what do you think is going to, you know, what would you do in that situation? Because I, I can't make that choice. I, I genuinely don't know what to suggest. 
yeah, you make that choice. You don't bring Joe Walsh back in because he's only just coming back from fitness. You've got an eye on the playoff games because you know, Michael's not going to go into the game on uh, on Saturday with thinking that automatic promotion is a, is is a serious prospect. Um, you know, he's going to go in and try and win the game because you go in and win every single game. But if you were to ask Michael Appleton right now, do you need to plan beyond? Uh, May the whatever it is, the fifth or May the sixth, when the, or May the eighth, when we play Wimbledon, he will probably say yes, uh, and he will, I think, approach the game with one thought on having to play a two-legged semi-final against any one of several teams who seem not want to, to not want to be in the playoffs because we're the only team at the minute in the top six whose results suggest that they want to be there. Um, and I think in that respect, you put Joe Walsh on the bench. If he's fit, you still play TJ and Lewis because they've both been doing very, very well. Uh, and at half time, as he has been, as he was doing at the week, uh, on Tuesday night, you you then bring your man on and take somebody off um, because he's he's it's very canny the way he's managed to squad over the last couple of weeks. I'm very impressed with it because Michael's not a man who likes to turn to his bench. We've spoken in the past of, you know, going 90 minutes doesn't make a substitution when he playing, when he's played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, because of the way that the team's playing. But in recent weeks, it's been very, very good. It's numerous substitutions at, at numerous points. And it was a big, big call on Tuesday night to do what he did with Liam Bridcott and Tom Hopper. Mm-hmm. because it did, to a degree, put the result at risk because we've got a 1-0 lead doing a certain thing. Johnson goes off. Uh, I think Scully came on. It, it wasn't his, his best game, um, if I'm honest. And at that point, you think, maybe I should go for the continuity, but he sticks to what he knows. He sticks to what he said he's going to do and takes Liam Bridcott off, brings Tom Hopper on and has to have changed the formation to accommodate Tom Hopper as well. Don't forget that. Um, so it was. I think it was brave management with one eye again on the playoffs. And, you know, I, I would, at this moment in time, I would bet everything I own, everything you own, and everything that either of us are going to own in the future on the fact that we'll be in the playoffs um, come uh, come the middle of May. So you've got a plan for that, I think. Yeah, don't 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 shit on my dreams, guys. Don't shit on my dreams. We've, Why we've not? I've been doing it all season. This is very true, actually. Apart, Apart from, from that pod, podcast where I didn't come on and you shit on everybody's dreams. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, what we'll do is we'll come to to Hull in a little while, um, but obviously there's been... Hull? Why? No, sorry, not Hull. We'll come on to Peterborough. Why the hell did I say... I'm Sorry, I was just thinking back to last weekend again. I, I think you're getting a bit confused. I mean, we've more or less discussed Peterborough as well, haven't we? Uh, sort of. I mean, we, we oh, can prob- yeah. we'll probably do a little bit more just okay. you know, t- towards the end, but uh, there's two, two big bits of news that have come out of the club this week. Um... Both, I think, have been fairly well received. Uh, Charlie Russell's had his hair cut. <laughs> Has he? Yeah, yeah, he's always on at Match Day Live. He's the producer. You never see him on screen. And you, whenever the camera comes on to him, he's either eating a sandwich or playing with his hair. <laughs> Charlie's had a haircut. Um, no, I mean, obviously, the, the first, you know, first big bit of news that's obviously going to impact on a lot of people is the season ticket renewals. Um Club put out a statement on Sunday, I think it was, uh, saying that the, the renewals were going to go up this week. Um, and I, I don't think there's any other way of saying it, but they've got it bang on. They've absolutely nailed it with the the announcement, the pricing structure, the options that are available for fans. Um, 
I think the only thing that you weren't a, a massive fan of was the sort of rebranding it to memberships, wasn't it? I think um, I actually think that's probably doing me a bit of a disservice because I didn't say I wasn't a massive fan of it at all. That makes it sound like I was negative towards it, which isn't the case. So I'm going to pull you up on that, Ben. Um, (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll pull you up whenever you get something slightly wrong for me as well. Yeah, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I I wondered about it. It it, it seemed to me to be... um, kind of unnecessary wording and i gave it a little bit more thought and i i have a a hypothesis as to why they've done it as membership and not season ticket um because i believe that the price that you can charge away fans is tied into the average ticket price uh, that you charge home fans Right now, I'm not, I'm not. I don't quote me on any of this. Uh, I'm only saying it on a podcast, six hundred or seven hundred people will listen to. Um, <laughs> but I, I wonder if that might be behind the rebranding, and I might be wrong. I just wonder if if we were to go into the championship, they would like to have more scope in terms of away ticket prices, not to rip fans off, but because the likes of I was going to say Derby County, but you never know, and um, the likes of Forest and Middlesbrough, their supporters will likely be paying more than um, than we probably would be allowed to charge if that was the case, uh, because as you've said, the pricing is ridiculous for championship football. Um, if if we were to go up, I mean, what, what is it now? Uh, you made the same mistake as me because you thought you paid three hundred and sixty nine quid last year, didn't you? Three fifty, uh, three forty nine. I thought I paid because I think I think I think we both had the same. We had the, well, we, both we had the same price in mind. We did pay three forty nine last year. I thought I paid three sixty nine for mine last year, and that's why I thought bloody hell, it's been reduced. Um, when I first sorry thought. yes you're right yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're right um, and I don't know why maybe there was a renewal at 369 maybe 349 was the first renewal and 369 the second but for some reason I had set in my head my season ticket's going to be 369 quid um, mm. and, you know, and when it comes out 15 quid even if we're in this division 15 quid a game is, is good value at the minute if you're in the National League 15 quid a game actually isn't terrible value um, so yeah, I, I just yeah they did get it right. Um, it was more or less bang on. I think the only moan some people have had is that you can't pay by credit card. Uh, I think I've seen on social media, but I think that's know. the case at the minute. Yeah, um, I think you can't the club please have, all of the people all of the time. No, I mean I think the club have said that they're going to do um, potentially like PayPal. I think they're looking into and a couple of other payment options. So you know, the immediacy of, of I need to renew my season ticket at this very instant is, you know, it's it's not necessarily going to be for, for people that, you know, don't have access to the immediate funds in terms of cash, but there are options that are going to be coming up shortly. And I believe there's a month um, yeah. for renewal. So. Well, that's what I've done. I've, I'll be honest, I've renewed mine and not paid for it yet. I've, I'm going to pay for it on backs via invoice. Yeah, same. Um, that's what we've paid. done. Um, but what I would say, if anybody is looking at the announcement and they're finding an angle, and I understand that there will always be an instance, there'll always be a circumstance where an announcement doesn't suit an individual's needs. And that's one of the things that a football club is always up against, because it doesn't matter what they what goes out. There will always be somebody that that doesn't suit. And that's not to say that person is being awkward. It's just genuinely 
it's not possible to get it right for everybody all of the time. And I think in the main, they have this time. And if you're in any doubt at all, take a, a look at some of the other announcements that are going on at the moment. Ipswich Town struck me the other day. The Ipswich are offering a refund on the season ticket, but it is mandatory that they take £10 per game every game this season off you for I follow, whether you watch it or not, whether you are a family of six or not. So, and I think under 16s and under 13 season tickets might be free. So they've tried to look at a way of compensating, but there was no option. It was if you were a season ticket holder, you were given iFollow, um, the iFollow package and whether you watched it or not. That's the way I read their announcement. If you're an Ipswich Town fan listening, first of all, you've got the wrong podcast. But secondly, <laughs> um, give me a shout and let me know if I am fundamentally wrong. But I did see quite a backlash uh, towards the new owners that they've mm. got this one wrong already. I mean, that's kind of the thing is, you know, we we've had... I think this is the third season now where there's been the the expectation or you know the, at least the the announcement of a, a an early renewal period. So there was the early renewal I think it was January or February. Yeah, it's February when it went down yeah. like a cup of cold sick. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first year and then obviously last year we were kind of we were kind of preparing for it. I think we were about you know we were expecting it. Um, so when it came around, it wasn't as much of a surprise. But again, the club acknowledged that they may, you know, they could have potentially done a bit better with the communication the first time round. There was something that was brought up at the fans forum at that point, and you know, they've had those conversations and they've said, okay, hold our hands up, we got this one wrong. I think last year was a lot better, and um, you know, with everything else that's gone on, um, I think the way that they've handled things like the refunds you know with the with the the raffle um and the option to get the things like the sign you know the frame shirt uh, sorry the signed shirts um tours of the epc the, the chat with jazz and all of that stuff and you know the evening with which we may or may not have anything to do with um that sort of stuff that has gone a long way for me to i, I think i said this on on twitter the other day that you know a lot of Lincoln fans are going to feel potentially closer to the club at the moment than they have done during a regular season because of the way that the, the communication's been and the way that the uh, the news has been put out there. Um, and I, I just think they've done a phenomenal job. And that's, you know, that that is not me blowing smoke. It's just genuinely, I can't really see what else they could have done right with particularly this announcement. I think, um, yeah, yeah, we'll move on in, in a moment. But I, it, it was always going to be really tough. And, and bear in mind, I do sit on the supporters board, so I'm, I'm kind of privy to some of the conversations that go on prior um, to these announcements. And I've no doubt whatsoever that they didn't need to hear from us that the communications needed to be right. But the, the steer from the um, from the supporters board, or certainly from my view, was when we first when I first saw the price in a, a you know quite surprised um because you know the club have have struggled financially and i think every football club has as well managed as you are we've, we've had to cut our cloth accordingly and i think um i think putting any price rise at all in 
um, it wasn't a risky strategy, but it was something that would need packaging in the correct way because you know you might have fans saying, "Well, hang on, I left you let, let you have all my money all year." Uh, I, yeah, very few fans would do that, but that's the sort of thing that the club has to consider. They have to consider mm. everything. They have to consider what will Moaning Mini or or Andy Person or whatever say about the release <laughs> when it comes. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, when it comes out, do you know what I mean? And um, I yeah. do, and I mean, I think the thing for me is, you know. The, if you were to look at this from a purely fiscal point of view, they could have so easily turned around and gone, right, let's put the price up of a season ticket by 50 quid because they're desperate to get back into the ground. You know, they're absolutely gagging for live football. They'll, they'll pay it. Gagging you know. for it. <laughs> but there, will, there would have been clubs that would have done that. You know, there will have been chairman out there or, you know, owners that think right we've you know we've got this we've got this pandemic it's it's slowly coming to an end now or we're, we're coming out the other side of it what can we do to to get people back into the grounds you know people are going to be desperate to see some live football Let's stick a few quid on the price of the tickets i would have done yeah if i was if i was chairman i'd have put 20 i would have i can't remember what is it three five nine yes yeah okay yeah so that's right so i i would have gone um three six nine no doubt. I would have done. I'd, 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 do you know what? People would have gone, that's not bad. Mm. They would have done. And the fact is, this is, and we ought to move on because we are just blowing smoke now. But the fact is this, the board know they could have got away with charging £369 for a season ticket and it would have been minimal disruption. Right? They could have done that. No doubt whatsoever. They didn't. And that's crucial absolutely crucial because there would not have been kicked back at 369 there wouldn't have been seriously no you and i would have paid 369 all day long 95 percent of the fan base would have seen that and gone that's great but genuinely it does show to me that they care genuinely it does show to me that they are not all about money and we've said on this podcast before it's easy to criticize suits and ties at a football club very easy um and it's easy to criticize the suits and ties who uh, and not, you know, like Clive's brilliant, Clive's front facing and, and everybody loves Clive, but it's easy to criticise a Liam Scully. It's easy to criticise a Jez George, right? And uh, OK, those people may or may not have been involved in the pricing structure. But the fact is, I believe from top to bottom that this football club understands its responsibilities to its fans and within the community. And I think if anything demonstrates that, um, it's this season's season ticket prices. So there you go. There's a great big dollop of smoke and put it up whichever arses you want. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. But um, okay, so before we come on to the the next bit of news, um, we have got a special guest this week, haven't we, guys? Oh um, yes, we have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here is uh, here's our little uh, guest section for this week. Okay, so we are now joined on the Stacey West podcast by uh, lifelong Lincoln fan Kate Jackson. Um, how are you doing, Kate? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Yourself, Ben. I am living the dream. It's all good. Yeah, I'm um, all right as well, Kate. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Kate has uh, started up uh, Lincoln City Pride, um, which is the LGBTQ plus uh, supporters group for Lincoln City fans. So um, do you want to run through a little bit, Kate, and, and say, you know, sort of discuss how it came about and, you know, sort of any plans that you've got in place? 
Uh, yes, yeah, so certainly. So about this time last month, it um, it was Trans Awareness Day, and being someone who is trans myself, obviously it's uh, it's something that I'm quite keen on um, on learning about, really about more interactions, and then trying to improve in things. Uh, over the last few years, um, I've been trying to do. I've been trying to find something in my life that would actually make things. Uh, better for other people um so one instance was uh when i lived in portugal i started writing a book about some experiences so people who were trans knew what to expect but they didn't really work out and over time i just thought to myself what can i actually do and then as I say, on trans awareness day there was the the whole rumors of uh, james rodriguez changing gender which uh, there's still nothing official so i'm assuming it's still just a rumor um but anyway there was quite a negative reaction online about that there was quite a lot of shall we say unfortunate memes shared um and at that point i decided to share my thoughts in a post on my personal blog uh, which gary thankfully shared thank you gary uh, hope you're well by the way <laughs> yeah, i'm well mate thank you <laughs> <laughs> and um and so yeah and it got really positive feedback and uh, including from a few um a few other lgbtq plus supporters groups it's a bit of a mouthful all that um, and uh, so i just thought to myself you know what this has gone down pretty well maybe it's something to actually worth exploring because as i highlighted in my blog entry at the time when i first came out as trans back in 2012 i was running i was running my youtube channel i just finished running my uh, my own website and it was it came off it just felt like something I needed to do at that point in my life. And initially the actions were all pretty positive, except for on the Grimsby message board known as the fishy. Um, such a shame that they've gone down again. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, Grimsby fans. Um, anyway, um, the reception, the, um, the uh, feedback I was getting from Lincoln fans and people at the club was initially quite positive. Uh, like, say, for example, when I went into a new mass season ticket, um, uh, which is something I know Andy Pearson and uh, in people who are on Twitter are currently not liking people mentioning season ticket renewals at the moment, but we'll go from there. Anyway, um, so yeah, everyone was pretty cool. But then over time, I noticed that there was a few comments being made and then it made me a bit like, mm, this is a bit weird. And at the time I was traveling with a certain group of people who I don't want to mention by name because I don't think it'd be right. Um, and they started making a lot of anti-trans comments about, at me, started um, purposely... Uh, not referring to be uh, referring to me by Kate by my old name, uh, which is it's. I appreciate I still sound male, by the way. Um, and over time, chants started developing uh, about me at games, which again I'd rather not repeat. And it just got to the point where I didn't really want to go to games anymore, um, especially home games where the majority of the people who were singing these chants were going to. They didn't really go to many away games at the time. Um, and I just sort of found myself just feeling it was more of a chore to go, more force of habit. And I wasn't really enjoying it anymore. And then I think the moment came when I realised I just had enough at the end of, uh, sorry, the end of 2013. We were playing away at Halifax and I believe we lost 5-1 and had some comments again. And then the football was a bit naff at that time. Um, and I just thought, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore. I was getting involved in ice hockey up in Blackburn where I was living at the time. And yeah, so my experience was pretty bad. And it's one of the things where the group is set up to help people, not necessarily just trans people, but anyone coming out to say, well, the other initials in the um, in the thing, uh, anyone coming out of anyone who's uh, feeling about they want to visit the LNER, but they're not entirely sure how they'll be received, like because they've had previous bad experiences. It's about trying to get that get their confidence up or working with uh, people to actually try and include them a bit more, maybe have it as maybe a social occasion, get a few people together with a similar mindset, working with the club to raise awareness as well, such as I believe it's in November they do Rainbow Laces Day, I think it is, mm -hmm. um, and just trying to raise awareness via that case. And 
I've had a few conversations with other LGBTQ plus groups, such as, say, the one at Swansea City, were really helpful. Um, had a conversation with Liam as well, and also uh, the uh, Lisa, um, just with regards to setting this up. And then I thought to myself, you know, let's just get, let's just get it started. Let's get it rolling. Uh, so early this week, just set it up, and then hopefully it'll all go from there. At the moment, it's still just me. Um, but as I say, as long as I can leak at me make at least one person's trip to the LNER or supporting City better, then I think I've done my job. Oh, that's great stuff. And I mean, I think the the thing that you've mentioned there uh, for me is, is the... Some of the reactions that I see when people set up, you know, uh, supporters groups for marginalised groups or, you know, sections of society that might not necessarily be overly comfortable. Um, It's probably not the right wording, but, you know, that may find it difficult to go to football matches um, for certain reasons. I think the thing that always gets me is when you see people that, you know, will have always gone to a match, you know, they'll have always gone with the friends, they'll have always gone with the family or whatever, and they've never had any kind of, um, <clears throat> uh, any marginalization or any, any difficulty in, in doing something like that. And it's, it's usually those kind of people that turn around and say, Oh, why do you need a supporters group for just that? Mm. Oh, well, it's being excuse, you know, exclusionary towards me. It's like, well, that's not what it's about. You know, that obviously the club, use the the phrase imps as one Mm. and everybody you know is part of the club and i think that encourages you know supporters groups to come along and and um you know be founded and and find like-minded people or you know people that are in the same boat as them to kind of help solidify the experience and make it enjoyable for them and i'm sure that's something that you've been thinking about as well 100 percent. i mean it's quite a um i mean going to a football match um is should be a fun occasion it shouldn't be something where you constantly feel like you're on your guard or you're worrying or anything like that and if you feel like um say for example you're not going to be welcome or the people you normally go with uh are going to not be as flack about words friendly or as open as you thought they were then mm. it can be a bit of a tricky time it might put you off i mean i say i didn't stop going until about a season and a half after I came out to everyone. Um, but there were people who might not feel that confident or feel that the, the gateway is not open for them to, to, to still support the club in person. So it's about trying to reinforce that they are going, hopefully going to be welcome and just trying to raise that confidence with them. And then I'll say, if necessary, go into a game with them. Maybe not myself, because I'm moving to Edinburgh soon, uh, but uh, maybe someone else of a like-mindedness so they can uh, form their own friendships that way. And even if, say, their old friendship group has flack about words falling apart they've drifted apart from them there's always these other friendship groups to move into but as long as we can try and make it more comfortable for everyone that's what the aim is do you feel generally i mean i you know going back quite a few years i mean it's just something as, as i say as basic that you know homophobia was was rife in football do you feel that through the course of your journey that football is one of the last kind of bastions of society where certain um views are more prevalent perhaps than they are in the wider world um i'd say you can i mean as i'll go back to something i referenced in a few answers ago which when i'm when i started uh, working for an ice hockey club in blackburn and the difference was immense it's like everyone there worked together and everyone tried to be friendly or respectful even if you worked at rival clubs there was none of this whole it's me versus you or everyone trying to effectively prove they're a better support than someone else everyone just mucked in everyone worked together to do that um i started there in 20 working there towards the end of 2013 so it sort of coincided with me falling out of love with football somewhat 
Um, and I'd say they were very inclusive. They uh, were very open to things. Uh, so I'd say when I compare football to, say, my time working in ice hockey, then yes, it seems a bit... I'd say it's less, shall we say, forward in in people's uh, mindsets. And I think it's just because football's a very... Some, like some people struggle to move on when football moves on. Like, say, for example, obviously, see all the move, the uh, opinions being shared about, say, VAR offsides. Some I had someone a few weeks ago even moan that goalkeepers can't pick up directly from a bass pass anymore, and I'm like, that's that's like thirty odd years ago or whatever it, whatever it was. <laughs> it's not exactly a new thing. Uh, so football is a bit in, in that mentality, from my experience anyway. I'm not saying this is the case for everyone. It's a bit s- slow to keep up with the times in that sense, but hopefully, as time goes on. Uh, that would improve and um, it's like similar with say the um, the Black Lives Matter thing and uh, p- players kneeling before matches and whenever you'll always get at least one person in Twitter or Facebook comments moaning saying we shouldn't be doing this or the all lives matter stuff and it's like that's not the point <laughs> it's mm. not a, so I'd like to think it is getting there but it's not as um, it's not got as much momentum as it has in other sports if that makes sense yeah that, that makes total sense I mean I think the you know, the, the question that I would ask as somebody that isn't part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, is is there anything that, you know, that, that people like myself can do um, to, to assist and to help with, you know, any issues that people find? And I think, you know, the thing that I keep coming back to is trying to call out, you know, behaviour in, in friendship groups and stuff like that. I mean, I think the biggest one for me is when I have a group of, you know, if I've got a group of friends together and then someone... The, the the biggest thing that gets me is when somebody's there and says, oh, you know, that's gay as a as a derogatory term or, you know, a slur. And it's like I, I try and call it out wherever I can. And is that the kind of thing that although it's not going to make, you know, a massive difference to an individual there and then? Uh, I'd say based on um, based on what I understood. I mean, obviously, it differs from person to person what they would sort of look for. But I'd say what you, the example you've just given uh, would actually work really well, because it's not necessarily a case of um, like like snapping your fingers and one day every single person is accepting of everyone else. You are going to get those people who they are going to be stuck in their ways or set in 1950s mentality, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I'd say one of the things, if someone, um, if someone does some, something similar to what you just mentioned, like say for example, you just, it, give, it might hopefully prompt that other person to then just start thinking about what they're saying before they actually say it. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, like say for example I'll go back to when I when I used to run my website I used to I didn't care if people got offended by what I said including the players I remember the yeah <laughs> I think me and you had a conversation outside the Stacey West <laughs> uh, no. uh, but yeah it's one of the things where I think um, like when someone pointed out to me it's like what you're doing it's having a negative effect on like everything because um, like say for example obviously say some of the match reports and match reactions I was doing back in the day might have the players up the wrong way and it made the man it upset them and it caused like some backlash or whatever the case may be. So I think sometimes some people need to be told what they're saying is either wrong or could be said, uh, could be not said in the way it's said uh, or along those lines, depending on what it is. Uh, so that person can then think about what they're saying. So even though I don't go out of my way to offend people these days, if I do uh, think something that might offend someone i don't just rush into it i stop and think about it and that's the same sort of thing with say for example obviously the example you gave a minute ago ben so if um your friend for example um for a homophobic thought for example they might think before saying it they might still say it obviously but as long as they have that split second thing then that's progress and that's the sort of thing um that's quite good in that yeah, sense 
you know, actually, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. Up until about six months ago, I would still, I'd bring my mate up. And just because of, as a kid of the 90s, I'd still go, all right, gate. And I first answer the phone. Honestly, I would. I do it. And and do you know what? It's only when you sometimes things become part of language and you don't understand mm. the effect that they have going forward or you don't even think about what you're saying. It's only when you stop and think, Jesus, no, I shouldn't be saying that. That's ridiculous. You know, that, that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm actually I'm going to go off on a little tangent here okay. because I, I want to talk about um, and I, something that me and Ben disagree strongly on and get your view, uh, oh, Peter Jackson. And it's only because I think <laughs> it's only because I think you're going to back me up on it. Um, okay. Because uh, just just general thoughts on on Peter Jackson was uh, was the question really. Okay. So um, back in 2008 when he was hired. Oh no, sorry, 2007. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, I initially uh, I was initially quite pleased with the appointment. I thought it was a good one. He'd done some good work at Huddersfield. And admittedly, I did get on the Peter Jackson train. Um, I was all for it. I was posting positive things on the website all the time. I uh, I had spoke to him a few times in his office, wore the T-shirt. I've literally got a Jackson 5 T-shirt around here with that five-stage plan he had um but then as time goes on um you sort of i sort of started noticing that the results were a bit naff uh for lack of better words obviously 2007-8 we could forgive him because obviously with his um with his cancer treatment and other other things on his mind and then if you know it took over and thankfully we were saved from relegation that year uh, but then the next year it just sort of like continued and obviously his hot air is probably the best way to describe it um like the magnificent seven and uh can peel carrots with his left foot and you soon started realizing it was all just like it was all style and no substance and it was just like we were never going to progress under him beyond the mid-table club now don't get me wrong i'd rather have him every day of the week over managers like chris sutton and steve tilson um but realistically he was a mid-table league two manager at best and if we were going to progress we needed someone who either acknowledged that he was only a mid-table league two manager or um or get rid of him which we inevitably did because ultimately results weren't good enough so to paraphrase he was a shy talk (laughs) um i think i think there's i think i feel a bit ganged up on here i'm not i'm not i'm not having this especially Um, because the reason that you rate him is because he did something phenomenally moving in your personal life it's absolutely out of order that i've even done it (laughs) No, I mean to be Absolutely. fair. I mean, my 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 reaction would always be, as a man, I've got the utmost respect for mm-hmm. him, and you know, I'll always have time for him. But as a manager, I'd probably agree with you. No, there was a. I mean, he was a good man off the pitch as well. Like, say, for example, when we went to Farsley Celtic in a pre-season friendly, which I believe we won five 0 if memory serves me correctly. Um, he uh, just took a um, he just took a kid out of the stands and used it as the match day mascot. He knew how to interact with the fans. He knew how he knew what made people tick, and he valued people, uh, which is obviously why he connected so well with himself, uh, Ben. He would make a good club ambassador between the between the, cl- the club and the fans but as a manager i just don't think it worked i think that's a fair comment so um i think it's probably fair we move on to you know current football and, and get your views on uh, on how things are going i mean obviously when when michael appleton was appointed i, I don't think it was any uh, any secret that you weren't the biggest fan has he turned you around i knew this was coming <laughs> <laughs> i've forgotten this i can't believe ben's got it and i forgot it <laughs> Oh dear, I was wrong. Um, so anyone who's known me a long time will know I don't admit I was wrong that often. But yeah, fair enough. Um, 
he's completely turned my opinion this season. I would still say, I mean, looking at our performances, when we've got a full squad of 11 and there's pretty much no one injured, I would say we're one of the strongest 11 in the division. Uh, I'm really confident going in. Assuming we don't overturn the, the lead people have over us, I'm really confident we'll go and win the playoffs. Um, and I don't get that confident, confident often. So I think we've got... I think we've got the right squad. I think we've got um, a lot of energy, but we've got some experience at the back as well, which is really important in, say, Adam Jackson. Um, and we've got, we're good going forward. Um, and I'd say tactics wise are pretty spot on. So I'd say at the moment, he's, yeah, I've got no complaints. Oh, there we go. So I think that's going to wrap it up um, for this little section. So thanks for coming on, Kate. And as I say, um, where can we, you know, where can we follow you? Where can we follow the group? Um, and how can people get involved if they want to? Okay. So, um, so the group itself, it's on Twitter. It's at Pride Lincoln. <clears throat> so give me. Um, in terms of myself, I'm on Twitter, kjackson1984. And if people want to get involved, uh, the DMs are always open on the Pride Lincoln group. And I'm more than willing to have someone help out because after speaking with uh, uh, Liam and uh, members of Lisa and the board, they're keen to have someone in meetings on a regular basis, which, as I say, I'm about to move up to Edinburgh, so I... It can't be me. So uh, ideally get more people on board. And uh, so, yeah, that's generally where we um, where we are at the moment. Great stuff. Thanks for coming on, Kate. No, cheers, guys. Brilliant. Thanks, Kate. Cheers. Cheers, bye. So thank you so much to Kate for coming on. Um, great initiative. You know, really good to see. Um, and hopefully people get involved. Um, so, right. The next bit of news that we did promise uh, before that segment was about some potential investment, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, people don't know that, but that is the next thing that I've got down on the running order that I jotted down when we went through it. Um, Now, I'll be honest, I haven't spoken about the investment at all. I haven't written anything on the Stacey West. I haven't, uh, we haven't touched on it on Match Day Live. This is literally the first, uh, the first view I'm giving on it. And there's a reason for that. Um, uh, you know, again, the supporters board were aware of the fact that the club had a bite, let's say, when it comes to investment. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think at this moment in time, I, you know, I appreciate all of the news. It's great. It's really, really positive. I just think it's easy when investment is announced to get carried away and think oh, we're going to buy Johnson Clark Harris. Um, and, and when you read Clive's comments, he did an interview with Mark Wiley on the, the Lincoln City Chat Facebook page. And when you read his comments, you know, there's the plans are very much also around the infrastructure of the club. There's things they want to do at the EPC. There's things they want to do at the ground. Um, you know, there's still a hole in the budget from last season to fill. And so I think when we're talking about new investment, what people need to think about is not pounds and pence, uh, but it's that the club is having an extended reach. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a, I think it's an American investor who's got a full time job who um, has two sons, one of them plays uh, football or soccer uh, at a university um, to a really good level, wants to get involved in a football club. I know that the club have spoken to people in the past, and I know that if any of the first two or three conversations mention things like relocating or um, you know how much is the ground worth, the club just step away. You know, like when you open mm-hmm. a, a milk and you think... Oh, no, I'm not putting that on my Weetabix. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Other clubs, they only find out once it's all over their Weetabix and gone into little lumps. But Lincoln City, smell the milk first. So 
um yeah I, I, yeah it, it's great news that we're attracting additional investment um it uh, you know, there's no also interestingly there's no plans for the new investor whoever it may be uh, to join the board at the moment as well so we're not talking about expertise we've spoken in the past about expertise also coming on the board on board um but this is you know, it's pounds and pence it'll help the club uh, it's got to be a good thing but it's not ryan reynolds and whatever that other fella is coming to Wrexham yeah it's you know we it's investment what I would like to call the Lincoln City way considered balanced measured and done properly 100% I mean I believe uh, Mr J Bezos is it Bez I don't know I don't know anyway um who's that I don't know what what that's the Amazon man oh okay Bezos Bezos Ah, oh, okay, not the guy that delivers your Amazon parcels. <laughs> no, the man who lost yeah, half know. of his money to his ex-wife and then immediately made her the fourth richest person in the world. I know who Jeff Bezos is. I'm playing with you. I also <laughs> know who Elon Musk is as well. He invested $1.5 billion in Bitcoin and uh, elevated the price. I invested £25 in Bitcoin and it didn't move at all. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. I've been heating my room with my graphics card to uh, get some Bitcoin uh, over the past few months. It was quite nice over the winter. Anyway, um, all right, final thing. Uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll, we we did touch on it a little bit earlier, but Peterborough at the weekend, is there too much point in discussing things like the form table and, you know, how things have been going? Because let's be brutally honest, I think both teams are going to be treating this like a cup final at the weekend. I am delighted that you have asked that question. Because you said the form table. And do you know what? I don't like form tables. Unless we're top of them. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I love them. <laughs> um, I like the 46 game form table if we're top of that. Uh, but I do see how form can have relevance at times. And you see when we, we get in, when we got into a rut, we were going into games against Fleetwood and Rochdale, and you're thinking, we're not going to get much from this. We might draw this because we're out of form. And I think if you're out of form, in that middle section from kind of the end of August in a typical season, if you're out, but yet yeah, say five games in and five games before the end, you pretty much know if top plays bottom, I would say 95% of the time top wins. So yeah, you know, a majority of the time, bar the odd freak result, you can yeah, more or less shout a result. And, and to be fair, if, you know, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here uh, because um, I can't reach, but um <laughs> Match day live, you know, 90% of the time, my predictions haven't been too far off during the season because, you know, things do tend to run true to form is what I'm trying to say. The first five games is very different. You know, you'll get a team that loses five games and then boom, they come to life and off they go. You will get wider trends, but you can spot them coming like Plymouth, you know, doing really well, really well, really well, then begin to drop off. And you can see two or three games after dropping off in the way that they play. Um, that you know, they may not get a result. I think we saw that with us. When you get to this stage of the season, two games left for Peterborough, three, four games left for us. Um, I, I get mixed up. Is it three games left for us? It is, yeah, we've got three left. Yeah, Three games. I, I lose track. Um, there is no form book. And you, you, we touched on it at the top of the show with uh, the League One results the other night. I mean, they were just utterly bonkers. And there was goals going in all over the shop. 
in the last minute. And it was the same in League Two, you know, with Grimsby going 1-0 down, coming back, going 2-1 up, having a man sent off, then losing in the last minute and being relegated and all that sort of stuff. That all happens at this time because this is football. That's that's how I, I actually thought about that saying while I was on the toilet earlier. Um, this is football. This is what it is. It's an unpredictable game. And when it gets to the end of the season, this is where your 11 cloddoppers who haven't had a chance in hell all season suddenly pull a result out of the bag. Bristol Rovers may get a win on the last game of the season. A couple of years ago, when Wolves won the championship and went up to the Premier League and Sunderland, Sunderland were relegated on the last day of the season, just before there was a two, uh, three division swing or whatever um Sunderland beat Wolves 3-0 this sort of thing happens uh you know mm. Peterborough how do they take the game do they go for a draw and then risk us snatching a late goal if they come at us that could open up at the back you know they're impossible these these sorts of games now penultimate game of the season final game of the season they can just be absolutely mad and you only need to look at was it Doncaster Brentford a couple of years ago Leicester Watford a couple of years ago mm. you know like where there's a penalty at one end and if it goes in somebody goes up score, yeah. exactly um, you look at Wimbledon and Rochdale you know the other night when what was it Rochdale 2 and a lot Wimbledon back to or Rochdale 2 up Wimbledon 2-2 Rochdale make it 3-2 Wimbledon equal in the eyes in the last minute mm. Charlton and Crewe um, even you know, even Posh Portsmouth. and Donny, Portsmouth. It's crazy, crazy. And so I just think the only preview that you can really do in terms of form for these, this is none. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it, it really is. Because yeah. these games are something in their own right. And it's you know, if you go away to Peterborough in December, you don't know how that result's going to affect you in the context of the wider season. And so we can look back at Peterborough at home where we missed a penalty and drew one all. But there wasn't that madness about it. It was part of a six or seven game run where we were playing well, we were doing this, we were doing that. That This is just a one-off. And it's the same 10 minutes in. If it's nil-nil, um, sorry, nil-nil with 10 minutes to go, you know, the last 10 minutes can define a season. And it could be that you play crap and then all of a sudden pop up and score. And the classic really... The classic example for me is Simon Yeo, who you know, he didn't score for seven months in 2002-03. He came on as a late sub against Torquay with us outside of the playoffs because we were losing 1-0. And look what happened. And and that's what these sorts of games bring up. So um, you know, it'll be 0-0 now and there'll be about three shots on target. <laughs> I, I I personally think it's, it's just going to be a hell of a game. I would love to see both teams go for it on Saturday. Um, I just have the feeling that you know, particularly after seeing, um, I, I was so I was so pumped up after the game on Tuesday night that I, I stuck Sky Sports News on, and I'd never been more excited to hear from Darren Bent, like in my life, because he was watching the uh, the Peterborough game, and you know every time it cuts him, he's like, oh, it's been all Doncaster. You know, I'm not not quite sure how Doncaster aren't winning this, and then it swung over to Peterborough, and then it swung back to Doncaster. It was like this is what football is all about. You know, like you say, this is football. That's not just a PlayStation two game. that had Rio Ferdinand in an England shirt on the cover. And don't ask me how I can remember that, but you know, Maybe because you had it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, I did as well. Yeah. That's where I got the <laughs> saying from. And then um, after that, I started thinking about other football games I could use as a saying. And I came up with none. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can't, like you said, we can't put a prediction on it for Saturday. Um, but I do know that if we take three points from it, I am probably not going to sleep until Tuesday. 
yeah, just ridiculous, ridiculous times for this football club at the moment. And I, I just can't wait now. I just want it to be, want it to be match day. Um, so, but of course there is one other little bit of news um, before we go into our state of rambling that we inevitably will do. Um, and that is the social media blackout uh, from the club over the weekend. Um, you know, they, obviously a lot of clubs getting involved with this to, to kind of highlight um, awareness and, you know, kind of bring attention to the fact that there are still a lot of racist dickheads around there. So um, yeah, I mean, your, your, your position on it all, guys. Yeah, I don't think it's just racism, is it? I think you, you get the misogyny towards um, Michelle Owen. Uh, I mean, you see it all the time, but obviously she made a, a Chris Kamara type mistake. And whereas Chris Kamara, everyone laughed along and went, oh, it's Cammy. Um, they started sending Michelle Owen um, vicious, nasty, misogynistic messages. Uh, and look, you know, we've, we've had uh, Kate on today discussing Lincoln Pride and, and football these days is about inclusion. And there is no room um, for discrimination for racism for the sort of vile social media abuse that gets leveled at players and it's not just occasionally now it's every week every mm-hmm. week i log on it was grant ward on tuesday night from blackpool um i noticed and it, yeah, yeah just every match day it's, it's almost like the fact it's in the news encourages the knuckle dragging morons to go on and do it themselves um personally i don't think that social media blackout will make an, one iota of difference but mm. the point is you know, if you don't stand with them, you stand against them, in my opinion. And therefore, you know, from my point of view as a as a fan creator, fan content creator, I shall be um, doing the same. I shall be blacking out from Friday three o'clock until Monday uh, midnight, which sounds a lot like my early 20s. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. And again, you know, maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it won't make a difference. I think even the EFL and, and the clubs that are involved, the Premier League, the FSA, etc., Thing they're even saying we don't think that it'll you know it won't change the world but you've got to start somewhere mm. um you you have you know will will twitter and and instagram miss lincoln city and the stacy west probably not will they miss liverpool and manchester united and 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 the players that are associated with that maybe so but either way um it'll be tough and there'll be no match day live uh, which which is a real shame for such a big big game and you know from the club's point of view from our club's point of view it's um you know, it's quite a big thing mm, no absolutely i think there is you know the, the slightly cynical side of me looks at it and says well you know is this just just going to give the megaphone to the the people that are going to be like that anyway you know is this just going to hand it over and say right well we're not tweeting so you know you lot go nuts you know is it that's my view on it and i'd sort of agree with you on that point um but yeah it's i don't understand the mentality of people that do it i mean i've seen it today you know we, we posted the, the you know next gen base we posted a, a review today one of the first comments on the video was oh the lead character looks like a lesbian with pronouns in her name great what's that got to add to the conversation don't be a dick like that i just can't if, if you want something to live your life by, just, yeah, don't be a dickhead. I think if people visit my personal Twitter, um, at, what's my personal Twitter? Is it at with call him? I think it is, yeah. Um, I've got the, the classic Jim Jeffries quote, which we won't say on here because that's probably one. Um, 
one swear word too far, but I think it says something the Bible should just be uh, four words. Don't be a, yeah. and you can insert your own word there. And then you, if you live your life by that, you'll be all right. Yeah. And I, you know, can't disagree with that. It's Jim Jeffries. Weren't they the guy that killed? Oh no, it's Jim Jones. <laughs> Jim Jeffries is the person that got uh, banned from fighting talk on five live because there was a question about Ashley Cole um, and it was called Defend the Indefensible, which is where you have to you get given a, a really horrible statement and you have to kind of or a statement you disagree with. So for you, Gaz, it would be I would prefer to see Lincoln City get relegated rather than Grimsby Town. And you've got Ooh, to, we should play that game. <laughs> you know, you, that's the that's the question you've got to answer. And I think the, the question was about Ashley Cole and, um, you know, how he'd. Uh, how he's such a, a good role model and he started off the answer to his question and i think he, he lost his train of thought and he just ended up with uh, like as the clock was running out he just went because you need lube and he got banned from the, from the show for a long time um but yeah fighting talk good show you just listen to it on radio 5 i think lincoln city should be relegated uh, i would be happy with lincoln city being relegated over grimsby town because then we might actually get some airtime on look north <sighs> Oh, you got to you got to fill twenty seconds though. That's the thing. So okay, we might get twenty seconds worth of airtime. <laughs> oh, good stuff. That's the third time with succinctly. Uh, is it the third time we've mentioned Groomsby getting relegated? We've recorded this in kind of Pulp Fiction style, the last bit first, and all of that. So it might um, only be the second time, and there might be another mention to come. <laughs> I'm going to have a hell of a time editing this. <laughs> Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> when you said earlier, inevitably we'll get into the ramble. And for people listening, we're about to go into that ramble. But for people recording, me and Ben, we had it about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> so we know what's coming up. Spoiler, Olivia's dog gets mentioned. <laughs> anyway, we ought to uh, move on to the next section, <laughs> whatever that might be. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden we're laughing and all you'll just cut into Ben going oh, I think that's about it for this week <laughs> is there anything else that we need to discuss because I know we had quite a funny DM on uh, on Twitter the other day uh, in relation to uh, Doggate yes. last week um, which was utterly hilarious so uh, if you were the, the gentleman who had the conversation with somebody in public about the, the uh, conversation with you know, around whether Jack and Olivia are getting a dog. Um, that's just hilarious. Like the, the story that was told was absolutely fantastic. You, you've got to tell the story now, because what you basically just said is, is gobbledygook, um, more or less. <laughs> yeah. People don't it's, understand. Oh, so, you so, have to be there. It's an in-joke when no yeah, one's yeah. there. Yeah, and we can't have in-jokes on a podcast that other people listen to because it's just <laughs> rude. So basically, Jack sent us uh, Jack Mulhall, who's he's got his mention. Look, we've gone the whole episode without mentioning him. Um, he's probably <laughs> been mentioned more than some of the players. Uh, so Jack messaged us the other night and said that um, I think it was Olivia's mum had been in her local co-op when she'd been approached by somebody who obviously listens to the podcast, um, basically saying, I hear Olivia's getting a dog. 
uh, when obviously you know, his mum didn't know anything about getting a dog. So that's the reach of the podcast. Now, what's even better is I saw that message uh, at quarter to 11 at night. I was laid in bed. I have a ritual. I played words with friends with my mum, one again. Um, and I just this message popped up. So I turned to Fee and she was asleep and I woke her up to tell her. Uh, which made me about as popular as I am with um, www.rabbitsaremint.co.uk. <laughs> Forward slash get a rabbit. They're not that bad. Oh, uh, it was it. It was just hilarious. I I went downstairs and I told Rach when I saw that, and she found it equally hilarious. And uh, by the way, she has words for you, Mr. Hutchinson. Um, it's not it's not me that puts the cat on the lead. It's her. And, uh, you know, she's she's not ashamed of that fact. She should be, right. but she's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's me. She's got the words for, is it? I, I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do see people with cats on leads. Uh, and I, 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 I always think the same thing. I'm not going to say what that is, um, but I do always think the same thing. I, I'm, I'm not sure about it. Uh, now, she did tweet me and say, you know, I, I see you, your cat on a lead, and I raise you carrying your dog to bed. OK, fair enough. I see you, my carrying the dog to bed, and I raise you. Your boyfriend has a light on his office so that you can know when he's looking at specialist material online and not enter. Who's a boyfriend? Well, you are you're married aren't you <laughs> <laughs> oh dear i'm sure she won't want that advertising but <laughs> it's all right i just didn't come to the wedding so um yeah. oh you then no you did i mean you knew of me so, uh, well, yeah but i also knew of kim jong-il i didn't invite him either um, uh, Anyway, to be fair, do you know what? Pete will be listening. Um, and obviously, I've known Pete all of my life. I think I had Pete's wedding. So we fell out <laughs> of contact. And um, my mate Dave, who's now family, obviously, I, I don't know if everyone knows, but he, he, he's, he's kind of with my partner's niece, who's older than her. Um, it's complicated. Um, I didn't go to Dave's day, do. I didn't know him that much better anymore. That, that was the one of his weddings. That, I think it was his only wedding that broke down. As it's not as complicated as Joe Davidson's line, anyway. Yeah. And do you know, actually, I've only ever been on one stag night. Wow. In my life. Yeah. I've been on a few. I'm not allowed to talk about them. Um, right. So I think that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. Um, once again, thank you for listening. Do, you know, if you listen to this just on the on a whim, get subscribed and, and tell a friend and share it about on that. Cause not a friend is not that's easily offended. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is nice to see numbers tick up a little bit, even though it's, uh, you know, ultimately it's all arbitrary, but it's just fun, isn't it? And, you know, we don't do it for the numbers. We do it to talk to each other each week. And just the fact that you listen is a real bonus absolutely you know if we were trying to do this for the money we would have actually made some from it i think if we were trying to do it for the money we'd be down because it costs us 80 pounds a year to host with podbean that is very true yeah that's probably due soon isn't it yeah august there we go right anyway yeah i think it is but uh yes we will uh we'll catch you guys next time um hopefully we will be somewhat ecstatic next week and uh yeah we'll see you then love the imps the imps
It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.